Welcome back to my vlog. I am Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you a specific takeaway. That way your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive into things, as always, I would love to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. That way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So as a quick update on the thing that's been consistent for the past couple of months for me, which is working on my forthcoming movie called The Arbiters. And I'm still in the development pre, uh, phase of the whole project, which means the script is being worked on. And in short, you know, I have a first draft, uh, then I re-outlined it, which I finished up two weeks ago, and now I'm revising the script based off of that revised outline. And overall, the outline itself is 117 bullet points. Now, of course, not every bullet point is weighted equally. You know, some scenes are much shorter than others. But overall, last week I ended up on number 27. And at the end of this week, I am proud to say that I am on 65. So making good progress um, and, and it's good. You know, as I made mention last time around, the process of actually writing like physically writing and typing at the keyboards, sometimes people underestimate how long that can take. And for me, part of the whole process is, you know, getting the thoughts down on paper and revising as I go, right? So after I craft each scene, I then go back to it and start to, you know, reassess what's written so that it can be as strong as possible. Now, does this mean that by the end, it's going to be the final version? Of course not, but it does mean that this read, right, whoever reads this version, it will be as tight as it can be in this iteration, right? And that's the main goal overall. So it's been good and, you know, overall, like I said, I, I, I'm going to continue working on this. That's one of the big uh, things for this week is to continue with all this and make progress in the ways that I can. All right, get, get as far as I can with it. And we'll see, you know, where we end up next week. If you want to comment down below and, you know, place a virtual bed, not for money, but just, you know, for fun of where you think I'll end up at, um, you know, let's try it. Now, obviously, I have a little bit more insider information, but I'll say that I'll end up at 78 now, that's not necessarily that much progress, but it's it's some progress. And, and again, I know what's coming down the pipeline, so I have a bit of a cheat. Um, but, you know, use that to help you. Maybe, maybe you can kind of, you know, just place one up or one down or whatever, you know. Let's, let's have some fun with it. Um, one of the things that kind of, uh, that just was fun to think about while I was out taking a walk is I am you know, want to do, especially by having a foster dog, Diamond, who is still available for adoption. Um, you know, you can check out our video. I'll put it in the description box. But anyway, I digress. The point being, I was just having this thought where, you know, there's so many longer movies out there. 
you know, nowadays that are like hitting three hours. And with Killers of the Flower Moon, that was over over three hours, almost like three and a half. And the way this is going script-wise, you know, feels like it could be a three-hour movie, right? Now, in the script process, I could trim it down, you know. Uh, That's kind of the whole point of this phase of it, at least it should be, is to really work out all the kinks and get as tight as, as possible so you have maximum impact in the shortest amount of time. And, yeah, that, that, that that's overall all the goal. But it got me kind of thinking, like, A, this is intended to be a trilogy, right? So it's a series of movies, three movies. Um, the inspiration for me is, like, uh, for me, The Matrix, but of course you can point to like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, any of those, you know, the, uh, at least the original Star Wars, right? They, they, they were these three sets of movies. But in particular, Lord of the Rings is an interesting example because you have the theatrical version and then you have the extended versions. And so for me, it was kind of fun to play around with this idea. Of, like, I, I'm someone that believes that longer movies should incorporate an intermission. And there's a natural breaking point within my movie that could serve as the intermission. Now, it's, you know, it wouldn't work as a standalone film, things like that. But in reconsidering it, it's like, if that's the intermission of this longer movie, well, why couldn't that be the end of episode one and the rest would be episode two? Like, it could feel natural in that way. And you have essentially a limited series where it's three seasons, two episodes per season, and they're on average about an hour and a half each. Why not, right? And I guess it's just kind of this idea that, you know, where Lord of the Rings had the theatrical versions, and then an extended versions. instead of doing the extended versions, you just incorporate that and kind of make it into uh, a TV series, right? So... You know, whereas most of the extended versions are like four hours long, then it's like you get an hour episode, you know, per season and whatever. Like that, that, that could have been a way to go, but TV wasn't as prominent as it is now. So for me, you know, what I, what's fun to just ponder and, and, you know, imagine really is this idea that, okay, we'll have, we'll, we'll have this tight script, as tight as we can get it, and then we'll go off and make it, knowing that, like, inevitably, you know, even under the best circumstances, you're always going to have to cut stuff from the movie, right? Because that's another version of revising the story, as in the edit phase. Well, you know, why not have a really tight movie, and, and then, you know, what gets unused, you could reshuffle and repurpose into this limited two episode tv series per you know one movie per season why not right like that could be fun and and in a way to utilize all the all the things that that we create and also to make sure that you know it's all it's all a part of it so something you know of course We'll see how it all takes shape. You know, I'm not forcing anything. It is intended to be as a movie. It's just a long fantasy movie. Um, But, you know, it's good to know that options exist, if nothing else, right? So, yeah, I've been kind of contemplating that in my mind. Now, 
the thing I didn't get to work on this week was my personal sizzle reel. So I have all this footage from my life and my projects and things like that. And it'd be great because, you know, it's a typical question that we essentially get all asked, you know, what do you do? And of course I have a bio up on my website, but sometimes it's just great to have video, right? That people can see and look at, be like, oh, firsthand, like this is what you did, right? Instead of just seeing words on a page, they can visualize it because it's visual medium, right? But all that to say, I, you know, just given the time constraints of the week, I didn't get a chance to do that. Um, my goal this week is to just put in at least an hour, you know, and, and just kind of make some progress. So knowing that this is ultimately a nice, like I should do this, but it's not a need at the moment. You know, for me, the need is finishing the script and other stuff like, and by the way, none of these things are true needs, but you know, within me, there's this, of course, fire and desire to to create stuff. And, you know, this movie is top of that list. This sizzle reel, while, you know, I, I know I can knock it out fairly quickly. You know, I'll, I'll get to it. Like, if I put in just a little bit of time, even though it's not getting done faster, it's okay. You know, uh, for me, especially now that I've updated my website, like that was a big, big thing that didn't necessarily take that much time, but it was a big, how should I put it? Uh, Like it's, it's truly beneficial, right? And as I said, I mean, the website in itself serves kind of as its own sizzle reel, just in a different form, right? So it's not imperative that I, that I complete this, but I do want to do it. um, And I'm going to just kind of move towards it. The other stuff that in general has gotten sidelined just because I've been so gung-ho about the script is the how-to filmmaking book that I've been working on as well as my second novel and uh, a short film that I had shot last November. Now, it doesn't mean I won't get to them. I, I think too many times things fall by the wayside, but I, you know, ultimately it's about knowing your priorities and I know I did take kind of, you know, usually I'm much more like I like to complete something before I, um, you know, I usually like to have like just two projects going at any particular time. But with the filmmaking how-to book that I've been working on with a ghostwriter. So, you know, my involvement with it is a lot less than if I had to just do it from scratch myself. And now, of course, acquires, uh, I like to be heavily involved. So it's not to say that there's nothing for me to do, right? And I just pay somebody to write write it and, oof, you know, there it is. No, no, no. It's For me, it's a lot more involved. But right now, they've been going through the various transcripts that I had uh, provided for them based off of just voice recordings on a per-chapter basis. And when I did those recordings, it wasn't designed to, you know, be the book 100%, but it was... It, it was just kind of laying down the foundation of all the experiences and the thoughts that should be part of that chapter, right? And so I, you know, I took that voice recording, transcribed it into, you know, words. And, you know, based off of that, that's like the research that the ghost writer can go off of to create 
the actual chapters and they've been doing that. And so it's been, uh, it's been a steady process, right? Um, so at least that's getting done, but because I've spent so much time writing this script, uh, my second novel, you know, that's been, as I said, sidelined for, for the time being, but you know, I still nonetheless, when ideas, like I do think about it from time to time. And so ideas do come and what ends up happening is I just kind of jot them down so that they're ready there for me when I do make it back to writing that. And the last thing, the, the short film, I think realistically, I won't get it done before the end of the year, but you know, it, it will certainly be on the to-do list for next year. And I think uh, it's possible. Like certainly, like, let's say all things go exactly perfect and, you know, by like, you know, let's say next summer or something like that, we can start filming the Arbiters. That would be great. But if, you know, we're, even, even if that was to happen, I'll find the time before then, before I start filming to finish this short film out. Like that, that to me, I have to do. Like before I move on to like the actual filming of whatever, you know, the next movie, I have to finish this one. That's like the promise to myself that just feels like it needs to be honored. So, um, but all that to say is, you know, we all have to kind of prioritize life and then the projects we want to do, you know. Um, a lot of us certainly have big ambitions and there's nothing wrong with that. You should. And there's a way to achieve those. But it's not going to happen overnight. And we have to have the patience to do them. And sometimes take them one by one, right? And that's the beautiful thing. Like when I look back at, you know, I'm really proud of my website with its relaunch because it is an accurate reflection of who I am today and the things that I've built. And when I look at that, I'm truly amazed that I've already done two movies and two books and I'm well into already uh, another movie, another book, and another, and another nonfiction you know, uh, book as well. So that's, that's amazing, you know? And, and in theory, like when I started this whole process of this forthcoming movie, I presented two options of stories to the team. And I said, you know, you can pick this one or this one. Like, it doesn't matter to me. I eventually want to make both, but you know, you get to decide. And so, you know, right now, I guess technically because this movie that I'm working on is part of a trilogy, it would be the next three movies that I make. But then in that sense, then I have one after that, uh, that, you know, isn't, I can't say is ready to go, but I know the broad strokes of what I'm trying to achieve and, and it would be fun to work on. So yeah, there's plenty for me to, to, to do, to look forward to. But baby steps, you know, uh, as the saying goes, you know, a thousand mile journey begins with the first step. So, you know, approach your stuff similarly and you'll be amazed by the results over time. Now, part of the reason why I didn't get as much as 
I perhaps would have wanted to this week is because I did an extensive consultation with a documentary filmmaker that I know about their documentary. And, you know, in many ways, it's one of those things that I could have opted out on. And I could have been selfish in that way. And we all, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. You know, just because you can do something, should you do something, right? Like, I think that's a tricky thing, especially like something like this, where for me, it's like second nature and I know I can help out so easily. And, you know, according to some, maybe I made the wrong decision. You know, maybe people can certainly argue that I would be even further ahead if I just kind of more focused on on myself. But that's not my nature. And uh, I do want to help. And so, because if nothing else, I've benefited tremendously from people being very gracious with their time and knowledge with me. And so... Not that I feel obligated to, to return the favor, but, but I get a joy out of it, right? And so as part of this comp- consultation, you know, I obviously have to watch the movie now. It was almost two hours. So not only are you accounting for the runtime, but starting and stopping to take notes and things of that nature. And then, you know, for me, it's about gathering those thoughts and, and really thinking about them. And then, of course, relaying to the pe- person. Now, I had some trepidation going into it, this conversation, because I was very much like uh, this, this idea that this person's going to hate me. You know, they're, they're at the tail end for them. And here's me coming in with all these notes. Now, the thing of it is, every artist that I know, and certainly it applies to me, it is a creative journey, right? And we go after these things because we're interested in them, especially when they're just our own passion projects. And we get to eventually this point, we've been on that journey. Like, it, it is a discovery, right? And we started from you know, the starting position. And now we've gone to the end. Like we have completed that journey. But that, that, that does not mean that it is over for the project itself. At least not if you want it to resonate with audiences. And that's a difficult thing because... There's still like 20% more work left. And at least from my experience, it's the stuff that I'm least interested in. You know, at this point, it's already been a grueling path just to get it to, you know, this place. And you've gone through the combinations and you're like, you know, this is it. And so the last thing you want to be told is like that there's more work to do. But that is the make or break of a hobbyist. And there's nothing wrong with being an artist that makes art for themselves. You know, I know plenty of people that just write short stories as a form of creativity. And then they shelve them and that's it, you know, never to be revised and so forth. And some of them might be really good. Um, 
but they're not meant for public consumption. And that's totally fine. That is people's prerogative. But if you want your projects to resonate with people, you have to keep them in mind. And that's a very difficult thing. Now, what was interesting, as I opened up the conversation, I said, if you want to get this to film festivals and streamers, you have, you know, here's the length that most of those movies are. And thankfully the person knew right away, you know, they said, yeah, I know, I, I know I need to cut out like 30 minutes of this movie. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we're on the same page at least. So now let's talk about, you know, ways to do that. And part of that is restructuring things and, uh, you know, eliminating double beats and, and so forth. But I think hearing it out loud in that way, you know, can be a little bit frightening. And I understand that. And also, you know, part, part of it is because I'm one of the first, like, there's so few people that have, like, ultimately seen this movie so far. And the ones that have, you know, I think are just, are maybe a little bit too close to it. And certainly to the person when they're just kind of watching, like, congratulations, right? And I have this rule overall that, you know, if a friend of mine, they complete a project and we're at the book launch, we're at, you know, the film festival, whatever it is, I got nothing but praise for it because at that point, there's nothing I can do. It's done. And my friend deserves to be celebrated. Whereas in this instance, you know, or just any instance, like if the project's not finished and you ask me for advice, I'm going to give you what I got. And does that make my notes correct? You know, there's with, with documentaries, there's a hundred ways that something can go and, and whatnot, right? Like you can recut it any which way. But regardless, the the things that I think anyone, you know, that's a that's a documentarian or a storyteller would, would look at it with a critical lens, they would say, one, it has too many plot lines. Like there's just too much going on and something's gotta give, right? Now, ultimately, I always like to ask the question of the person trying to make the thing to say, okay, what are you trying to say? Okay, and then let's look at that. And anything that's not in support of that, that needs to go, right? Because you can't keep, because if it's there, it's taking away from the core theme that you're trying to create. So you got to take away, you got to take away. And then the second thing is that, you know, again, regardless of how, you know, the, 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 the form itself, it still needs to communicate a journey for the audience. Because there's too many times within the piece itself that's disjointed and it presumes, like, the, the people that are featured in the documentary, they obviously have this whole history and this whole knowledge that I don't yet have. And sometimes that you can you can work that, right? You know, you, withholding information, having it come later. But you can't do that throughout the whole movie. You know, I as an audience member or anyone else needs to go on a journey for any movie, fiction or nonfiction, with the story. So we understand. 
from A to B to C all the way to the end. And right now, it takes just too many shortcuts, you know, in that way. And it presumes that I'm there mentally feeling like if, if we cut to a scene with somebody crying, it's like, oh, I'm supposed to know why they're crying just because they look at something. It's like, I have no, so like, I have no association with that object that, that whatever it may be, you got to set that up for me to feel that same impact. Right now, you know, I get that it's hard and, and, you know, in this phase of it, yeah, it's, it's difficult, right? And especially for a documentary, I mean, there's hundreds of combinations. So I think to help them out, what I'm going to do this week is, you know, the, the video that they had sent me, I'm just going to take it and it's got time, you know, I burnt in time code in it for myself. So when I watched it, I knew the time code. So I'm just going to take that and just do a rough edit of it. You know, and, and the video itself has everything burnt in music and, and all graphics fade-ins and things like that. But but my goal isn't to make it pretty. It's just to do a rough version where I can restructure it, you know, get it down to hopefully 85 minutes and send it to them and be like, hey, here's what I came up with. You know, use it as a jumping off point if you want. And, you know, that's it, right? And obviously they'll clean up audio transitions and you know graphics and whatever else if, if they decide to go in that direction. They can use some of it, they can use all of it, they can use none of it, it's up to them. But, you know, this is someone that I believe in. I think they have good work in them. And certainly this documentary has a lot of gold in it, right? You know, as I said to the person, like, there's a lot for them to work with. And I said, it's a lot easier when you have too much, especially for a documentary, than not enough, right? And I know it's a long road ahead still, especially since you've been on it for so long, you, you just want to be done with it. But if you want to just have it as a nice personal movie, great, it's done. But if you want people to see it, you got to keep going with it. Um, and so we'll see. But I think if they do, and, and then they continue forward with it, and again, whether or not they take my notes, but, but in general, shaping it and crafting it, and if nothing else, getting it down by 30 minutes, then I think they will truly have something wonderful that will resonate with audiences. So, yeah, we'll see how all that turns out. Um, by the way, just kind of speaking of things that I will also work on this week. Um, so each month I will be putting out my newsletter, philsvitek.substack.com. It's a new thing that I've started. Uh, this will technically be like the first official newsletter version, you know, I posted articles that, that I've had in the past. I put, put them on, on Substack, but this will be like my actual first one. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, each one uh, is going to jam pack various nuggets and information and creative exercises and all kinds of stuff, just in written form, you know, stuff that I think lends better to reading versus hearing or seeing. And so I'm excited by it. So if you haven't yet, you know, check it out. 
philosophytech.substack.com. All right, shifting gears a little bit away from, you know, the creative outright, I did see this TikTok tutorial, and I've linked to it in the description box, about how to create videos with AI. Now, it's like a minute, basically, so it's very fast. Uh, but in many ways, it just like kind of pushes the, 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 what people kind of really fear about AI. And it gets away, it like frames it as just the simple thing of like, not that it's saying it outright, but, but essentially go be famous. Like, hey, you don't even got to do anything. All you have to do is just type a prompt into ChatGPT and it'll take it from there. Um, you know, like whatever video you want, it'll just do it. Boom, done. And I think where the separation comes into it for me is if people use utilize it that way. You know, I'm not against AI outright. I think there are great uses for it. Like it is a tool, but you still have to have the foundation. I think there's this desire to just kind of skip over, uh, you know, and, and get to the end result. Like so many times I remember at the premiere of, you know, my movies or, or like a book launch or something like that. Like, oh, that's so cool that you did this. You know, I wish I could do that. And it's like, that is available to you. And what is cool about it to you is this part right here that you're a part of, this party. But what you're not seeing is literally the thousands of other days that it took to get here just for this, th these few hours here. And the pain and the headaches and so forth, right? And so I'm glad the barrier to entry is being lessened, but we can't at the same time, we have to keep the fundamentals and, you know, otherwise like, what do we just create? Like if we're just gonna prompt AI to create anything, then it all ceases to have meaning sort of a thing. I don't know, I, I don't necessarily have like the fully formulated thoughts about all this stuff, but at least this thing in particular, but you know, I, I do like to mention it because it's, you know, a big part of our society and certainly for us artists, it affects us. And so I like to be reflective about that. So shifting gears yet again, uh, this week I went into, I had a therapy session and I, as I always do, like I, I invite various friends that, that are curious and things like that. I'm like, Hey, come sit in. Like if, if you're interested, you know, come see what it's about because, you know, it's not traditional talk therapy. And by the way, there's many forms of therapy out there. We Just popular culture has kind of zoned in on talk therapy and kind of bastardized of like, oh, you need a shrink and stuff like that. And luckily, we're desensitizing people to the, the, the programming that, you know, only crazy people see a therapist. But the point being that my friend, you know, she accepted and she got to go. And so, uh, now that might seem odd for people like, wait, you've had people sit in on your therapy sessions. And yes, this isn't the first person ever to sit in on my therapy session. And the reason for that is because 
you know, by coming to therapy, that's in a way like as transparent about my life as I can be. And I don't mind sharing that because like there's this core fundamental within me of like extreme transparency. I really think a lot of the world's problems are attributed to this idea of secrecy. You know, that we have to withhold information or we can't trust people. And in fact, causes more harm than good. You know, here's a kind of low stakes, but at the same time high stakes example, because, you know, there's tons of money involved. Streaming platforms, for example, hide their viewership, right? We don't know. You know, they'll put out their own press release version of it, sure. But there's not a collective, just apples to apples comparison. And, you know, that's okay, fine. Like, I understand it from the capitalistic standpoint, but, you know, the the notion that streaming isn't very profitable and so forth. And it's like, if we just, you know, the first step to solving a problem is to stating that there is a problem. So if we are just in general, radically transparent about stuff, then instead of trying to hide the issues, right? Like, and going around and putting energy into that, maybe we can put that energy into solving issues. So that's sort of my big thing, and that's why I don't mind people coming in on my sessions. And uh, by the way, my friend did have quite a transformative experience. Like, you know, it's, I, I think even, I don't know, even, even just like whatever therapy, um, I certainly like, if I sat on somebody else's, I'm, I'm sure there would be things that, you know, would resonate with me. I mean, in, in, in sort of what way. It's kind of like listening to a podcast, you know, even though you're not directly involved in the podcast, like if someone's sharing their life story, you can get stuff out of it, right? Like it's similar transformative experience. Um, yeah. And by the way, uh, you know, if you're curious, I, I, I do share kind of the notes from my therapy sessions on my Patreon page, so patreon.com slash philsvitek. Uh, you can check out other behind the scenes cool features there as well. And the, the main draw is I do a monthly group coaching session and it's a way for us to interact more directly. And you know, it's just one tier, it's $10. So everyone gets all the same stuff and I try to keep it as you know low as I can where it makes sense. So yeah, that's patreon.com slash philsvitek if you would like to join. Before I wrap out, uh, I wanted to touch on kind of this bastardization of work and more specifically vacation. So it's very interesting to me where, you know, I I hear examples of of this all the time where someone puts in for vacation and stuff like that, but their job wants them. They're like, Hey, what, you know, what work can you get ahead on? Can you like can you do all the stuff ahead of time so that way no one needs to like essentially fill in for you? And we've kind of accepted this and don't push back on it when it's like, what the hell is this? Because think about it. You know, each week you do the work that you're supposed to and it's supposed to take, you know, the 40 hours or whatever, assuming that you're, you're full time. So then, in theory, the the week that you're going on vacation, that would be a 40-hour work week. But now what they essentially want, instead of, 
you know, the week before vacation or whatever, you're already working those 40 hours of just regular stuff, but then, you know, just pile on the 40 hours, um, principally that you would be working on your vacation. Like had you not had a vacation, you'd be working those. So put them here. So that way all the work is done. So it's like, you're not really going on vacation. You're just asking me like what you're, what you're being asked to do is to apply those same hours just in a different week. So that way you're, you're, you're left unbothered during that week. And of course we know American culture and oftentimes, you know, even when you're on vacation, you get phone calls, you get emails and, you know, there's always a state of emergency and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we're too conditioned to, oh, I got to respond. I got to respond even though I'm on vacation. And so, I don't know, it's just wild to me how programmed and accepting we've become of all of this. Like, what, what the hell is this? We've got to change this. Speaking of things we have to change. So, I think I mentioned last episode that I had wanted to try T-Mobile Internet. Because it would be cheaper than what I'm currently using. Unfortunately, it you know it just didn't work for me speed-wise and so forth. So I returned it. Now, a couple things with that. So I had this, I, I was part of the, they give you like a 15-day trial, right? So, you know, I was within the 15 days and went to go return it. But um, I was, I had the, the unit in my car and, you know, I was driving I was running other errands, and all of a sudden I noticed T-Mobile store, so I'm like, oh, okay, let me just go return this. So I went in, tried to return it, they're like, no, 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 you have to return it at the original place that you got it at. Okay, that was never mentioned. Really stupid, but okay, fine. So, went in the next day, you know, to the place that I originally bought it from. I'm like, hey, I would like to return this. They're like, great. I'm like, awesome, cool. And they're like, okay, to cancel it, you need to call this number. I'm like, what do you mean to cancel it? I got to call this number. They're like, yeah, no, we can take the, the unit, but you need to call this number to cancel. I'm like, there's, there's really no other way for me to cancel it. Like, here I am with this at the store that I originally bought it at, because that's apparently you guys needed me to do this. And you need me to call a number? Even though I didn't need to do that the first time, I just need to talk to you to activate it but I got to call the number. Okay, fine. Call the number. And as always, there's a, there's a wait time now. You know, I do, I do like that a lot of these services provide, you know, callback. So they'll be like, hey, you know, it's probably like a two hour wait time. You know, punch in your number. We'll give you a call back when we're ready. Okay, cool. You know, that's, I, I do appreciate that. Not gonna lie. Well, I did that, and then I get a call, and I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, okay, hey, we're gonna transfer you. And then I'm gonna hold for like 15, 20 minutes. And when the guy finally got on the phone, I'm like, hey, like, I requested the callback number, and usually the way that works is, you know, within a minute or two, usually you get connected. You know, like, it's because that person's ready for you. Why was I waiting for 15 minutes? That, that doesn't make sense to me. 
like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm like, you know, it's, it's weird because it's the weekend, whatever. I'm like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? It, it's a, you know, it's a function of like, hey, when you're ready for me, you call me so that way you can have me. Like, I, I don't understand. If I need, if I wanted to be on hold, I would have just been on hold. Like, what are we doing? And I said, okay, anyway, anyway, here's the thing in hand. Let's, let's cancel this. And they go, okay, great. Well, we need X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what do you mean you need that? Like, here's what I got as far as all the information, blah, blah, blah. And so the point being, they, 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 they make you jump through these hurdles to cancel the item. And I literally asked, I'm like, so let me get this straight. None of these things you needed when I activated the service. So in theory, like, <laughs> it's a lot easier to activate something on someone's account and just bullshit it than it is to cancel something. Like, yeah, you know, we just want to be safe. I'm like, what do you mean? One adds money to the pocket of T-Mobile. One takes it away. And so the steps just involved in canceling this were so ridiculous. And again, for this, you know, they, they try to deter you. Not literally a war of attrition, but, you know, a lesser version of that. So you don't end up canceling. It's bullshit. So I don't know. It's, it's wild times we live in. <laughs> Man, I tell you, right? Um, and the sad part is, I'm sure T-Mobile's not the only one that, that like, does this, you know? Um, you know, they all try to make it as hard as possible to try to unsubscribe yet, you know, to add on any feature of, like, oh, just click this, and all of a sudden, you know, like, don't even need, you don't even need to, like, put in your credit card. We'll just, we'll just get it from somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait, wait, why do you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy times that we're living in as far as, like, the capitalist late-stage capitalism bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> not the highest note to end on, but thought I'd share, so... Um, yeah. Thank you, as always, for taking time to tune in and listening to what I've got and some of my rants. And uh, comment down below, you know, with any thoughts, questions you might have. It could be about this or anything that your heart desires that you'd like me to touch upon in future episodes. Be happy to do that. Thank you as always. Appreciate you and hope to see you next time.